Blog Talk Radio. Hi, hello, welcome to episode number 10 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Anna Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz. Also known as Dana and Tiffany, bringing you the voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, and thyroid drivers everywhere. Very cool. Good morning, Dana. Good morning. In just a few minutes, <laughs> in just a few short minutes, we'll be talking live with our very own Thyroid Nation Radio team member, Blythe Clifford, the original thyroid mom. I am so excited, and I know you are too, huh? I am. I feel like I've talked to her on the phone, but maybe that's just because we chat all the time, and I've talked to some people <laughs> and not others, and so I'm really excited to talk to her. But just a few things before we get started. If you tuned in last week, which we hope you did, you heard us chatting with the fabulous Dr. Eric Ozensky. If you missed it, you can listen to it in the archives on thyroidnation.com slash radio. You'll see it at the top of the right-hand side of the page. And you can also, on that same page, see the lineup of the wonderful and innovative guests we have scheduled coming up. And to mention a few of them, we have some amazing people coming up. Uh, let's see, there's... Mary Showman, there's Dr. Kent Holtor, there is the lovely um, Lorraine Cleaver. I mean, there's just some amazing, amazing people coming up. So I'm really excited. I, I love the show every week. It's been so different, and I get something different out of each show. And so each person brings something new, even though we're all talking about thyroid. So I absolutely love it. And as always, a very, very, very big thank you to our amazing Thyroid Nation Radio team of advisors, without whom this show would not be possible. Seriously, there's so much support that goes on behind the scenes. Raina Kranz, Laura Schooneman, Melissa Phipps, Blythe Clifford, woot woot, Penny Jensen, Sarah Downing, and Marissa Ravello. Please check out all their bios, Thriver stories, groups, blogs, websites, and support groups at ThyroidNation.com radio. Okay, Dana? Let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Okie doke. Today our guest is the fabulous Blythe Clifford of ThyroidMom.com. Can you hear us, Blythe? I can. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, my gosh, two southern accents. I'm in heaven. Uh, (laughs) I know. Listen to you. I always try to, you know, um, control it a little bit, but I can't help it. Oh, my God, you're so cute. I can't even talk about it. it. And, you know, remember last week with Dr. Ozanski, he had kind of a, a, like, New York Southern mix thing. It was really interesting, wasn't it? That was very cool. (laughs) Very, very cool. Well, so, hi, wife. Hi, ladies. I am so thrilled to be on the show today. I'm so honored to be on the show today, especially listening to you list out all of the fabulous people that you have coming up. It's um, it's a little um, overwhelming to think that I'm, you know, in part of this uh, this group. So I'm really honored to be on the show today. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. I want I want everybody to get to know you and to know your story and and to know why we are having you on the show and and tell us a little bit about 
you know, well, first, I want you to tell us, you know, some of your history of your thyroid issues and all that. And then I want you to talk about what kind of made you come up with thyroidmom.com and where that led. So let's start with your your history. Give us a little bit of life, thyroid, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, you know, honestly, um, I didn't really know that much about thyroid disorders, never really heard people talking about them, um, didn't know anyone else who had any thyroid issues um, until I was diagnosed in my 20s. It was my, you know, late 20s, and I was trying to conceive, and after a year of trying and nothing happening, um, I went back to my doctor, and she said, well, maybe we should run some blood work. Um, you know, of course, knowing all that I know now, um, not sure why the blood work wasn't done when I first said that we were going to try to get pregnant. Um, I think a lot is being done to change that now so that, you know, that blood work is, is being done prior to women uh, trying to conceive. But she ran some blood work, and it revealed that um, my thyroid levels were off. Um, honestly, I don't even remember what those levels were. I just was so desperate and eager to get pregnant that I was like, okay, this sounds like an easy fix, right? <laughs> so yeah. I, I take this medicine, and it's going to make my thyroid levels, whatever those are, normal. Um, I knew it was relating to hormones, and I, you know, just kind of felt like, well, maybe this is part of the whole, you know, set of issues that I'm having. And so, you know, of course, eventually went on, thyroid medication and um, eventually conceived um, my first son. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, I really didn't, I, I remember thinking, I remember asking the doctor because I'm sort of one of those people that like, I don't really like to take medicine and like, I really, really have to. And I said, do I really need to take this? You know, I mean, I know that you're telling me that it will help me get pregnant, but like, you know, after all that, do I still need to keep taking it? And she was like, why this is really kind of a serious issue. And, um, you know, you really do need to take this medicine. And so I started learning more about it. And I remember a friend of mine at work, actually, I confided in her, you know, hey, I just found out that I have this thyroid disorder. It's called hypothyroidism. I mean, you know, looking back on it, of course, I realized, I mean, I know so much more than I did at that time. But um, she said, yeah, I have it too. And um, she said, you are not going to realize how awful you felt until you feel better. And you start mm -hmm. to realize what what good and normal and healthy feels like. And I remember thinking like, okay, whatever. But she was right. You know, a couple months after I started taking the medication, I realized that I wasn't feeling cold all the time and I wasn't having as much issues with dry skin or hair falling out, um, you know, I wasn't tired all the time, but I, you know, I was um, working full-time as an in-house attorney at the time, and I really thought that I was just uh, tired because I was working really hard, and I, it, mm -hmm. none of those things really stood out to me as something different than most women felt like. I remember my mom often complaining of the same symptoms. And so I just kind of chalked it up to this is what most women deal with. Um, and, of course, you know, learned I've learned a lot more since then. 
Um, but initially was just kind of taking um, my doctor's word for, you know, this is going to solve everything. And while I did eventually get pregnant, as with most of us, we learned that simply taking your thyroid hormone isn't going to solve all the problems. There's a lot more to, a lot more pieces to the puzzle. Um, but fast forward to me um, pregnant with my first son, and shortly before he was born, my husband said, you know, I haven't gotten a physical in, like, forever. Maybe I should go <laughs> get a physical. You know, I should be sure that I'm, like, super healthy, you know, and our son is born, and um, it was at that physical that the doctor determined that um, my husband had Graves' disease. Um, you would think <clears throat> that we would have put all of that together and thought, hmm, I wonder what this means for our child. But quite frankly, at the time, it didn't dawn on us, and no one ever said to us, your child, now that you both have a thyroid disorder, your child is also at a high risk of having a thyroid disorder, and no one ever said that to us all along. Um, mm. And then, of course, my oldest son was born, and through the newborn screening, which is mandatory in the United States, he was uh, diagnosed with congenital hypothyroidism. And then our second child was also diagnosed with congenital hypothyroidism. Obviously, for our children, it is a genetic um, issue. <laughs> um so that's sort of the, the background of how um, we have a thyroid family, and I became a thyroid mom <laughs> because yes, every person, every person in my family has a thyroid disorder. In fact, it's kind of funny. Oh wow! Um, a couple, maybe it was about six months ago. I was at the vet with one of my dogs, and she was having some issues, and. The vet said, I don't know if you know anything about thyroid disorders, but I suspect <laughs> that your dog might have a thyroid disorder. And I was like, well, oh, my gosh. Actually, I do know a little something about thyroid disorders. As it turned out, the dog did not have a thyroid disorder. But, um, yeah, I thought, boy, wouldn't that be fitting for me to have a pet with a thyroid <laughs> disorder also? Oh, my God, I'm sorry. That is just too funny. I mean, I thought you were going to say, you know, when the doctor came in and said, you know, well, okay, he does. I thought you were going to say something like, well, he didn't get it from me. Right. It's not my, this one's not my fault. Right, You're right. like, that's okay. We'll just put the dog on the program. We'll be good. Right, exactly. I know how to handle it. I, I know. We I know got the drill, right? That's funny. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, Blythe, so, I, I have a question. I have a question for you. One thing that um, that you had put in the notes also, and I read your Thriver story, which is an amazing story, by the way, for everybody out there. You had also mentioned that you gained a lot of weight, uh, you know, previous to that, and you were normally very thin and didn't have a, a weight problem at all. And, right. And, you know, I I went through the same thing. I gained almost 55 pounds in one year. I went from, you know, very bone thin to, oh, my goodness, see, you know, she went through one too many McDonald's drive throughs And I chalked it up to my job, you know, stressful corporate job and, and everything. But what other symptoms did you have in, um, you know, when you first experienced this? How long between that weight gain and when you were actually diagnosed? Do you remember at all? Well, it wasn't – I remember um, I got married. 
And a year after, like at our one-year anniversary, I was, I had gone from like a size 8 to a size 12. So in one year, um, I had put on, you know, 20 pounds um, of weight. And I thought, well, you know, I have been really busy at work and I'm married and I went from, you know, cooking for, you know, eating a bowl of cereal for dinner to having a meal, um, you know, every night. And, I, you know, it's kind of funny how I think in particularly women are really bad about recognizing our own symptoms <laughs> and so continually, and, 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 may, and I, I think men do this too, um, but I, I think you just kind of keep thinking, you talk it up to something else. And my mom and my sister and I went to Weight Watchers together in an attempt to, you know, lose weight. And um, I remember that we were all following the same program and they were losing weight much more rapidly than I was. And I kept thinking, I'm just not doing something right. And, you know, I just need to exercise more. For some reason, I just have maybe a slower metabolism. Maybe it's the stress because I was really stressed as a new lawyer, Um and I just really, like, exactly like what you said, I kept I kept chalking those other symptoms, like dry skin, I was cold all the time, I had some hair loss, but um, I kept thinking that it was all related to something else. It didn't occur to me, and part of it, I think, too, is I was so much younger. Um, right. You just think that in your 20s that you're healthy and that whatever it is is just some little thing. Um, it didn't occur to me that it could be something as serious as it was. And I remember my doctor saying, you know, when she got the lab results back, she said, so have you noticed any of these other symptoms? Like, you know, that you're cold all the time, dry skin, fatigue, hair loss. And I said, yeah, but I just, you know, and I explained that to her. And she said, but why? These are not normal. It's not normal to feel awful all the time. It's not normal to feel exhausted all the time. It's not normal to be in your 20s and having your hair fall out. (laughs) You know, and I don't know at what point, you know, I'm not sure why those things hadn't kind of all added up to me other than, you know, just being preoccupied with other things and and not really just, you know, wanting to get pregnant and, you know, move on with life. Um, So I just kept kind of brushing it under the rug, sort of, so to speak. Well, you know, and that's that's the reason we have Thyroid Nation because truly, hopefully, we can spread the message because because it's just so scary. I want to say something about that, but I also want to say how great that your doctor, I mean, I don't know how yes. many years ago that was, 10 years ago, 8, 9 years ago, um, yeah. was, you know, able to come up with that. I mean, that's, you know, we're trying to educate a lot of doctors, but it's really great that your doctor came up with that and, and was, and you know, on top of it. I think that's amazing. So are you right. still going to the same doctor? <laughs> well, we're giving a big, we're giving a big shout out to your doctors right now because they, they we were are, really, we they helped you. They helped you. Well, you know, even the with the, the other, go ahead. Yeah. The thing that's frustrating for me looking back on it is that I went to her and said, you know, my husband and I are getting ready to try to get pregnant. Um, uh, in hindsight, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have pushed for that blood work to be done 
initially. Um, You know, iron and iodine and thyroid levels before I started getting pregnant. I mean, especially when you listen to Dana's story um, that she shared, uh, you know, last week on the show. And if anybody hasn't listened, didn't, two weeks ago, if anybody missed that, they should try to go back and listen to that. Um, But, you know, um, I, I shudder when I think about what could have happened if I had conceived during that time when my thyroid levels were off. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important, and one of the thing, pieces of advice that I typically give to my friends who are younger um, who, you know, c- come to me and say, you know, I have a thyroid disorder, and my husband and I are getting ready to start trying. Is there anything I need to do? <laughs> You know, and, of course, my first answer is absolutely. (laughs) There are things you need to do. You need to, if possible, be followed by an endocrinologist, um, not just by your OB. um, Because I I think it's important enough if you have a thyroid disorder uh, to be followed by a specialist during pregnancy. Um, I think that if you're a young woman attempting to, you know, to start getting pregnant or to conceive, you should push your doctor to have this preliminary blood work done before you start trying. Wouldn't that be oh, awesome if that was just part of a screening? I would just love that. Uh, yeah, part of your regular physical yeah. screening every time, you know, you go in, wouldn't it just be? And for them to be educated, you know, about the ranges being different and all that. Okay, I want to go back to... You talking about, you know, you weren't sure, being cold all the time and, you know, overly tired and dry skin and and you're not really putting it all together. And I have to tell you, and I think I've said this before, but for those of you who maybe didn't hear, um, I have had cold feet my entire life. I have had, like, dry skin on my shins, and I would itch my my shins so bad that I would, like, make them bleed and I would have, like, scars, you know, from from a younger age, like young. And I had eventually cracked heels Hmm. and, you know, like my fingernails weren't growing and they never did. And I remember saying to my mom, you know, oh, well, this, I have dry skin and, you know, I don't feel like I have enough energy or, well, you're not getting enough sleep. Or, oh, you get that from me. Or you need to put lotion on. Or, you know, uh, and then with my, what was it, my cold feet was you have poor circulation. I have poor circulation, honey. I have that. You must get that from me. (laughs) And, um, you know, these symptoms that, that are real symptoms, they were all brushed off. And I honestly even remember asking, you know, some of my doctors and things, like just randomly, not all those at once, but just I would say, hey, you know, I really have this and none of them, you know, put two and two together. And so, you know, I wasn't diagnosed until two or three years ago or four years ago. And I'm pretty sure I'm, I suffered with at least some serious hormonal, you know, nutrient deficiencies and definitely hypothyroidism from, you know, my teens on. And so it's very common and it's it's kind of scary, right, Blythe? And, and Tiffany, you know, here you are thinking, you know, I have you, I have this, I'm tired, but, you know, I've got, I've been married for a year. I put on 20 pounds. Maybe it's just because it's the, you know, honeymoon right. phase. Or maybe it's nobody's putting, you know, the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's really important. That's really a big deal. That's one 
big reason why I have thyroid nation and why I wanted to start this show for that exact reason. I mean, what you just said and, and the things that happened to me and, you know, I mean, from a young age, you know, this isn't I, just I think necessarily it's, something that happens when you're older, you know? I think, it's so, I think it's so important. And, of course, you know, looking back, I think about, you know, when I was in law school, I struggled a lot with depression and anxiety. And um, even after I graduated into my first year of work, and I think um, that at the time I chalked it up to, you know, oh, it's just the pressures of being in law school. Um, You know, looking back on it, I I feel pretty certain that it was the thyroid uh, issues were leading to the panic attacks and, and things like that because law school is stressful, don't get me wrong, but... You know, I've been through other stressful things in my life since then, and and not it has not felt as difficult and traumatic as that felt. Right. And so I feel pretty certain that it was around that age that those that my hypothyroidism started. I, I definitely feel like it was at that point that um, that those kind that that's when it started for me. And I I, I feel like I feel pretty comfortable in attributing those symptoms to a thyroid disorder. And and I think that your website, Thyroid Nation, is so valuable for those reasons. And I think it's so, that's why we have to keep talking about it and mm-hmm. keep advocating because you never know, you know, <laughs> what one person surfing on Facebook is going to see one day and lead them to asking their doctor, walking into their doctor office with a list of symptoms and having a conversation that leads to, treatment and a better life. So I think it's very important for all of us to talk and to be open and honest. And that's part of why I started my blog. I think it's so important for those of us who've really been through some of these crazy journeys um, to be open and honest about the hell that we've been through because that is what's going to help people the most, to know that they're not alone and to know, oh, I have these symptoms and those symptoms also, and to know what to talk to their doctor about and, and you know, like I said, to know that they're not alone. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, what do you think, you know, like between, you know, us three, you know, um, how do parents determine when to test your own kids? I mean, really, like... Uh, that's a really good question, you know? I mean, what are the what are, what do you guys think? I mean, well, I have a son who has issues and I, you know, yours came from, you know, their screening when when they were born. So, you know, that's, you know, lucky that it was caught, I suppose. Not lucky exactly. they have it, but and lucky I, that it was caught. I've had a lot of people ask me that question, you know, they said, you know, well, your kids were caught at birth. <laughs> So for those of us who suffer from thyroid disorders and we have kids, at what point do we ask? And, you know, my answer usually is that, um, first of all, anytime you suspect um, a thyroid disorder, if you suffer from a thyroid disorder, you know what those symptoms are. And if you're sitting down with your checklist and you're looking at your child and you're thinking, okay, I'm looking at this list, and I'm able to check off four four of these things. It's time to talk to the pediatrician about it. You know, another thing that I've kind of pushed parents to do is when the kids go in for their annual physical, if it's possible, I would push to have a routine thyroid lab function test done at their annual physical. 
if you have a family history of thyroid disorder um, and you feel like, you know, it's just like the clock is ticking and you're just kind of waiting, um, you know, if you have generations or you have a lot of siblings or you and your husband both have thyroid disorders, then, you know, you feel, I think a lot of them feel like they're just kind of waiting for it to happen. And if that's the case, then I think you be open and you be honest with the pediatrician. Here's our family history and here's why this concerns me. And I would like for this to be checked once a year. I would imagine that your pediatricians aren't going to push back. No, and uh, matter of fact, Good. Joanna was just uh, my oldest, who's 11. We I had her tested uh, two years ago, and then we just did, they just tested her again um, this last week. You know, because she's having, you know, I noticed there was a ton of hair coming out, and my daughter has just crazy, crazy thick hair. She got she got daddy's hair, and and you know, I saw this hair in the drain, and of course she's going through some some changes, some girl changes, and and just this massive hair at the bottom of the shower. And I said, Joanna, is is this from you? And she said, Yeah, you know, I just, you know, and I I kind of noticed that she was getting, you know, changing a little bit. She seemed a little bit more tired than normal, and. Um, you know, like I said, she went recently went through some changes, and, and uh, so we went, I made an appointment, we went to the pediatrician, and I said, what do you think, you know? He's very aware of our family history, which is why he tested her, you know, way back when. And, um, you know, so we get the results back of that. But I think, you know, like the more we talk about it, I mean, there are some things that are normal changes for a girl, especially when they're going through that, um, you know, when they're getting through that, age where they're going to go through menstruation and start that and but then there's some of that that's not normal you know and and one thing I love um Blythe about going through some of the articles is you said let me find that quote I was given this child for a reason I am his best advocate that was from the most amazing article that I read this morning from your March 20th it's called trust your gut raising children with thyroid disorders I mean who better than us right to to watch these kids Dana and I talk about it all the time. <laughs> oh it's like well, mother hens. Well, and so, you know, going back to, obviously, both of my children have congenital hypothyroidism, which means that they were born with hypothyroidism. One of the more difficult things for me, uh, particularly with my oldest, being a first-time mom, was not knowing whether something was related to his thyroid level or if it was just him being an infant, right? Is he sleeping more because his levels are off and he's hypothyroid, or is he finally sleeping? Um, Is he, you know, uh, having, is he cranky because he's getting a tooth, or is he cranky and agitated because his thyroid levels are off and he's become hyperthyroid? And um, it was really a struggle, and I think, and that's the thing that I hear most often from other parents of uh, children with congenital hypothyroidism is just not knowing and always wondering and always worrying about whether that's, something is just being a kid and being an infant, right. a newborn, or if it's related to the thyroid levels. And thyroid levels fluctuate a lot. You know, I, I won't say every kid goes through this, but both of mine did. Some parents can have a great experience where they start their kid on the dose and their levels normalize and they stay on that dose. My kids were the opposite. It was very difficult to get their thyroid levels normal in the normal range. And every time they grew or if they were sick, anything that happened would throw their levels off. So it was like a roller coaster ride for us. 
Um, and so at the end of the day, the only thing that I had to rely on was my own instinct, which in the beginning, I don't know if that was really, <laughs> you know, a truly honed instinct at that point, but I just had to trust my gut. And most of the time, if I thought that their levels were off, I was right. There have only, mm-hmm. I could probably count on one hand the number of times that I was wrong. And it was just them, you know, being a kid. Most of the time, I was right, and and that's that's what I tell other parents if they're struggling or if they're worried. If you you know your kid, and in the beginning, it's really nerve wracking because you don't know them yet. You know, they're only a few weeks old, but over time, you get to know them, and you know what's normal for them and what's not. And if you're if you're worried call the doctor. Hands down, it is the best thing to do. It is a simple blood test. Now, it's not always easy for mom and dad and newborn baby to, you know, get through blood draws. Um, But um, it is not a very invasive way to make sure that everything is okay. Okay, so let's talk about this next. Let's talk about this next because this is a really, really big question. Um, what are the normal reference ranges for thyroid tests for kids? Do they, are they <clears> different <throat> from the adults or are they the same? Because that's they, the question I yeah, have right now. Well, right. I, and I don't have them memorized, but they're different depending on the age. So for infants, it's higher. For children, it's a little bit lower, but it's still, um, you know, lower than... Um, what you guys are probably used to. Like some endocrinologists use five as the upper range for the PSH. I <laughs> know that's hard to believe. Um, right. But um, for infants, I want to say it's nine, but it depends on the age of the child. Um, for for me and for my own children, I would never want their PSH to be above four. Um, I don't even like it being above three. Um, but... Um, it, it it depends on the age of the child. Okay. Okay. Good. And and where they're at. But you know, also for me, you know, like it's so confusing because, you know, right now mine's about to, to go through puberty and I wanna get, you know, sex hormones tested because I believe that, you know, after I started and had my woman thing, my menstruation and, and all of that, I you know, a couple years after, I think I, at that point, could have been tested for mineral and vitamin deficiencies and would have shown clearly that some things were off. I don't exactly know what, but I think it would have shown some things were off. And I'm wondering if, you know, that has anything to do with, you know, his age and and um, you know, about to hit, hit his stage. I wonder if that would change it, too. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And, you know, every lab uses a different range for normal, but um, endo- pediatric endocrinologists have all of those ranges. And, like, for newborns, it's higher because infants can often have, you know, what they call, like, a, a thyroid hormone surge, a newborn surge from their moms. And so it can be high. Um, and so it's it's acceptable to be um, a little bit higher. Of course, you know, when you've got a kid born with congenital hypothyroidism, you're way beyond that. You know, you're right. you're so far above um, that it's not even a question if it's a newborn surge. Like, you're talking about TSHs of 90 and 100 and 200 and 300. 
Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. <laughs> my nephew just went to a um, a pediatric. He was referred to a pediatric endocrinologist. Of course, we've got all kinds of bizarre metabolism problems in our family, but uh, his was like three point five and. You know, my he's going through great fatigue and everything else. And my sister said, you know, to the uh, to the specialist, you know, and he said, listen, you know, it's got to be higher than this. You know, sometimes you'll get one that's very cautious and and allowed to treat, and then sometimes you you get, you know, just like we do, just like we experience within our doctors. You know, some are hyper vigilant, and then some are a little bit more lax. So it's, you know, just like with a child, it should go a lot off on symptoms, I would think, as well, if you've got a kid that's really having some trouble concentrating and borderline and, you know, it's it's you really got to quiz and somewhat train your doctor. Sometimes you might have to take in a little bit of literature, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it sounded like you had some really great doctors and a pediatrician, uh, you know, from your we, story. We have a... We do. We have a really awesome pediatrician, and we have a really, really wonderful pediatric endocrinologist that has been um, our son's doctor. She was actually a fellow, doing her fellowship um, when our oldest was born, and then now she's a full doctor, and she's been with us since um, my oldest was born, and she is just absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, she, I feel like, talks to me like, um, you know, we're making this decision as a team, and it's not just her saying, these are the labs, this is what we're going to do. The first thing that she does, actually, is she examines them. She talks to them, first of all. You know, she has a rapport and a relationship with them, which I think is really important. And then she does an exam, and then she talks to me and asks me, you know, what's been going on? Are you noticing any symptoms? You know, she goes through all of that, and then she looks at the lab. <laughs> so um, we feel really lucky to have um, a great doctor, and I think a sign of a great doctor, a great pediatric endocrinologist or, you know, an endocrinologist for adults is that they are treating you as a patient. They're looking at the whole picture and not just the lab. Um, right. And you're making decisions in a way that you feel like you have a seat at the table. You feel like you are a partner and you are a participant in the decisions being made about yourself and about your child's health. And that's been really important to me. And I feel really lucky that we have that. And I think that if you don't have that, <laughs> then if you can, it's really important to try to get another, find another doctor. I know a lot of people live in areas of the country where that's not necessarily an option. Um, I know a lot of our military families are constrained um, with, um, you know, their access to specialists, but um, I think it's really important to push push that side of your child's care. Okay, last Great question point. for you. Do you, do, oh, sorry, sorry, Dana, do you or your um, pediatrician test the TRH at all? Or, or, you know, is that something that gets monitored? We, at this point, um, we mostly, the kids are tested with for dose titrations at this point. They mostly just look at TSH and free T4. Okay. Good to know. You know, and Melissa was, was bringing up some points about food. I would love to know, Are your do your kids really get affected? You know, so many, and, you know, not just children, but us too, really get affected 
uh, by food. Do you guys follow specific food guidelines in your family, or or uh, what what works for you guys? Well, I, that's a great question. So, um, you know, and it's different because with the kids, it works with with us, but. Um, we have definitely made some changes. <laughs> we avoid soy um, because, as you guys know, um, soy can interfere with the absorption of the um, thyroid medication. So also when they were younger, um, I breastfed almost exclusively uh, towards the end of the um, I breastfed for about 15 months. Towards the end of it, um, when I was working, I had to supplement with formulas. We had to avoid formula with soy. Um, a lot of parents, I think, aren't told that, which really frustrates me um, because it actually talks about that in the prescribing information for mm. the thyroid medications and thyroid levo. Um, it talks about the interaction with soy. Um, I get really frustrated when I have parents that will say, um, you know, I never heard that we weren't supposed to give our child soy. <laughs> um, and I, I that's, you know, one of the things that really frustrates me about thyroid disorders with children in general is that there's a lot of varying information. And the information that parents are told can can vary pretty wild, widely, um, you know, depending on what you're your pediatric endocrinologist lets you know. I mean, ours told us to avoid soy. I've had a lot of other parents say that their pediatric endocrinologist never even mentioned that they should avoid soy. Um, so wow, and almost all other. kids' snacks, almost all kids' snacks are loaded with soy lecithin and soy protein and soy protein isolate. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I right. would feel like and death so, if I, mean, I ate that. <laughs> we're not super strict about it, but we are. Um, like we, you know. We don't eat tofu all the time. <laughs> Occasionally we do have to- tofu. It doesn't, it's not completely entirely um, eliminated from our diet, but, like, we don't drink soy milk. And, um, so we, we try to be don't really careful with that. Right, exactly. And um, we also avoid processed foods, overly processed foods, as much as we can. Um, we avoid food dyes. We try to reduce things that are high fat and high sugar and, um, making sure that our kids are getting the right, and, and us, um, vitamins and minerals. We know that iron is really important. Um, we know that vitamin D is essential for optimizing thyroid function, and so um, those are things that are really important for us and making sure that we time our vitamins, um, you know, because all four of us take our thyroid medication in the morning on an empty stomach, um, and so we have our vitamins at dinner time so that we're avoiding any possible interactions. Wow. Can you imagine what their pill counter looks like? <laughs> Tiffany, I can't even imagine. <laughs> we, have a, we have a pharmacy at our house, um, especially since for a while we were all on alternating doses of medications. <laughs> we, we had oh my. You know, we had a lot of of pill bottles um, <laughs> around here. So we definitely, our pharmacist knows us really well. <laughs> oh, um, I bet they do. <laughs> I bet they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we spend a lot of time there. And I have to say, in all this time, I have only mixed up my children's dose one time. I handed the wrong 
pill to the wrong kid. Um, and I did that. I've only done that one time. So <laughs> I've got one that's on 50 micrograms right now, one that is on 56 micrograms. <laughs> so um, okay, we've got, so that's got a great – go ahead. I was going to say real quick um, – so that's a really good question. So is Synthroid or, or Levothyroxine, is that um, is that what you all take? I mean, is that what you're on? That's is a, that what makes you feel best, Blake? That's a great question. So my kids took Synthroid for the first three years of their life. Um, Armor is not recommended for infants because it is more difficult to titrate. I know that it's a very popular thing and then a lot of people talk about it, but you will not find a pediatric endocrinologist that is going to prescribe armor um, in, to an infant in the United States. At least it's not very common. Um, and when my oldest was born, nobody was even talking about natural desiccated thyroid. Um, so my kids took Synthroid for the first three years of their life. There's some concern when you're on a generic as you guys know, that if the supplier changes, that you could have a change in the dose that you're taking. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of my kids were also very sensitive to dose changes. Um, So when we were trying to eliminate any possible other interference, our endocrinologist suggested that we stay on brand name until they were three. So we did that. They have both actually switched over to levothyroxine now. And they are both doing really well on levothyroxine. I've gotten a lot of questions about why I haven't switched them to armor or if I would consider letting them take armor. I absolutely would. At this point, I don't have a reason to switch them. Um, They are thriving and doing really, really wonderfully well um, on the medication that they're taking at this point. Um, my husband, on the other hand, does take armor. He so we're <laughs> we, we all take something different. <laughs> um, we we so he started off after his and I don't know if I've talked about the Graves disease, but he did have Graves disease. He tried the medication route and that didn't work. He tried the radioactive iodine and that didn't work. So he had a total thyroidectomy. So he is now hypothyroid, and he started off, like I think everybody does, on either Levo or, or, or Synthroid. I'm not sure if he started him out on brand name. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> and he he struggled with that for a while, and then um, I went on, uh, I added T3, and so then he asked his doctor about adding T3, and he felt really, really amazingly better on T3. Um, and so then he and his endocrinologist made a decision to switch him to armor because he realized that he had such a significant improvement in the way that he feels um, on armor. And I think that's very common. As I, I would imagine you guys have noticed as well, particularly for people who do not have a thyroid um, gland at all. So they're not getting any any boost from their own thyroid gland. So he um, is on armor. And then I have been going back and forth with (laughs) um, my, I take Levo and then I also take T3. I've had a lot of trouble with the T3. And so I've just recently gone back off of it um, because I realized that I was actually feeling a little bit, 
it, it was really difficult to get the right dose amount um, and was really doing a lot of swinging back and forth between hypo and hyper. And um, so I actually just stopped taking the T3 and went back to just taking levothyroxine. So we're we're all sort of experimenting um, with different <laughs> with different things in our house. Wow, that must be that must be difficult. Medicine. Well, I think it goes to show, though, and this is this is one of the things I feel like that comes out of my mouth the most is that thyroid treatment is not one size fits all, and no, there there everybody reacts differently to medicine. Everybody, you know, in my family has a different version of <laughs> hypothyroidism with me having Hashimoto's, Mac not having any thyroid at all, and the boys having been born with perfectly gorgeous, normal-looking thyroid glands that just don't want to work. Um, we've done mm. ultrasounds, and we've seen them, and they're just these beautiful little butterfly-shaped glands, and they just oh. won't work on their own. Um, so we all have something different going on, and we've all tried different things. I mean, the boys have stayed on, on you know, uh, regular T4 treatment. Um, but we all have a different type, and we all have done well on different types of medication at different times. Um, I felt like the boys did better on brand names. For example, when they were younger, we were having, we had at one point tried to switch to Levo and started having issues and switched them I think it was my oldest, we switched him back to brand name. So, you know, and the other thing that I think is really important for people to understand is that thyroid medication alone is not the panacea. It's not going to cure everything. Um, I know that I have one person reach out to me and say, I finally got my doctor to prescribe armor. I've been on it for several months, and I still don't feel well. Well, that right. then maybe armor isn't the right thing. Maybe you should try a different type of natural desiccated thyroid. You know, it's often, and as frustrating as that can be for adults, I think, it is often a very long series and progression of trial and error. And I think that that can be really frustrating. But what I try to, reach, to let my you know, readers, when they reach out to me on Facebook or on email, you know, I've tried this and it didn't work. What should I do next? Keep trying, is <laughs> what right. I usually say. Yeah. Because, you know, just because one person did well on, you know, this and you tried it and you didn't doesn't necessarily mean that you know I was really hoping that T3 was going to be like amazing for me and it turned out that it really wasn't the right combination for me and I actually feel better now back on a higher dose of my T4 of Levo than I was before and that seemed to hit the right you know struck the right chord for me and so you know it's kind of like We've tried. We, I, I think it's just a really important message to remember that it is trial and error, and you have to keep trying to find the right thing for yourself. Absolutely, Amen. and there, there's a there's a lot of people that even need T4 with their armor. You know, a lot of people don't realize that 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 uh, natural desiccated hormone is is actually fairly high, prospectively, in the ratio of T3 to T4. So they may feel, right. you know, poorly because they need more T4 in addition to, you know, um, I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. Everyone is so unique um, rather than just having a one size fits all here, take this and everything's great. I mean, you're, you're cataloging that fabulously with, with your family. I mean, you're, you're like a story, well, you're like a, the, the hypothyroid story in its own. <laughs> 
with everybody. Well, and the beautiful thing about where we are in the United States, for most of us, we have the option to try all of these different things. And so I just think it's really important for people to not give up and not get frustrated and to not compare themselves to their girlfriend or their mom or, you know, I mean, and my mom takes armor. My cousin takes armor. (laughs) Um, So we have, you know, a lot of people taking different things, and I think you just have to find the thing that works for you. And I know that if we polled everybody that was listening today, they would probably say that they're doing, you know, they're doing a combination that's a little bit different. So Laura has a great question. Any tips for parents or just even parents or anybody uh, new to organizing pills and supplements? Do you have a regimen and, you know, uh, what works for your family as far as organizing your pills and supplements? Well, you know, (laughs) um, I I am the least healthy person in my family, um, so (laughs) I have a little bit. I have a little bit more medication to take than the rest of my family. I have um, another autoimmune disorder called Sjogren's, and I've had some um, kidney issues, and so I have a lot more medicine to take. So I use a, um, I call, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's like my grandmother's old lady pill sorter <laughs> that goes through because. I, I know it sounds awful, um, but I have to take medication at different times of the day, and I was really struggling with keeping up with that. So I have a pill sorter for myself because I take medicine in the morning. I take a different medicine um, for my kidneys at lunch, and then obviously stuff at dinner, and then I have allergy medicine that I take at night. So I have a gigantic pill sorter that has, you know, every has four slots for, for every day. For the boys, I actually, um, we just have a system. So we keep their medicine on their sink. And for a while, my little one did not want to take his medication. Um, Mm. He just, you know, um, one beautiful thing about children who take pills from the moment that they come out just about is that once they move from having the medicine either syringed in or whatever method you use to give the infant um, a crushed pill, um, when they become toddlers or even a little bit before they're officially toddlers, too, they can chew. They can chew their medicine, and then they begin to swallow it. So my boys can swallow pills. They were swallowing pills when they were three years old, which is a really great thing. Um, but I have a little routine that I do with them in the morning, and I started this with my youngest when he just was in that obstinate three-year-old stage and would not did not want to take his pill every morning, despite the fact that the other three people in his house were doing it with no problem. So I go in and I get their pill and I give them a little cup of water and I bring it to them like I am a waitress serving a dish to them. <laughs> so that yep. is our, that's our little uh, routine in the morning. So they come into my room and then um, my husband and I get up, they, are, they stay there and I go to the bathroom. And I get each of their medicine and a little cup of water, and I bring it in and, you know, serve them their pills. So that's our method Mm. at this point. But we try to keep everybody's medicine separate. (laughs) So everybody has, you know, their place to keep theirs, their medicine. Um, But that's that's what we do at this point. And we do it um, upstairs in our house. Um, All of our bedrooms are upstairs. And so um, I know they say you're not supposed to keep your thyroid medication in the bathroom, but um, we try to stay upstairs 
while they, you know, you have to wait at least 30 minutes. Um, so we try to stay upstairs and away from the food downstairs. So that's another <laughs> one of our – it can be really hard to keep hungry boys um, out of the food until their waiting time is up. So um, we keep it upstairs in the bathroom anyways um, so that we can make sure that we keep everybody um, upstairs until they can go downstairs and eat. So. <laughs> We have lots the of little tricks, tricks the from, Yep, that's right. Tips and tricks from, from Blythe. I love it. Uh, well, you know, you brought up that you have another autoimmune disease, and so I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it or not, but I'm I'm curious because I want to share with people that have thyroid disease, like you could have just stopped there. Like your doctor was really good, and you could have attributed a lot of your other symptoms and issues and just thought this is part of my deal, right? I mean, couldn't you just, you know, been like, well, I must just, I have, I need to keep changing my, my doses or my this or that, and, and you didn't. You went on, your doctor went on to push for some testing, and, and so that's really important. Can you tell us a little bit about how you determined that you had other things? Well, I had a really, um well, my, I honestly think that the birth of my second child, I think he is what, I hate to blame him for this, but <laughs> I think that um, I think that, that that second pregnancy is what started the, um, brought on the second autoimmune uh, disorder, the Sjogren's. I think he wasn't a great sleeper and he didn't sleep for about two, the first two years. And I think that the lack of sleep that I experienced for two years led to that. But I had a really bad year. Um, his second year of life, I had multiple kidney stones. Um, I had surgery to remove kidney stones. I had surgery to remove a gallbladder. Um, I just was having one thing after another. And uh, eventually went in for my routine physical, and um, actually before that, I had gone to my acupuncturist. Um, I'm a big fan and big believer in integrative medicine. I think that, you know, I have a lot of great doctors. My endocrinologist is wonderful. My primary care doctor is great, but I also love my acupuncturist and happened to talk to her, just mention in passing, I was actually there, I don't remember what I was there for, but mentioned that I'd had all this other stuff going on. And she said, has anyone ever tested your cortisol levels? And so anyway, she ended up pushing me to move forward with some other testing. And I took those results over to um, my primary care doctor. And she said, are you noticing anything else? Um, and then, you know, the longer I sat there, the more overwhelmed I felt and ended up, you know, basically in tears um, and started telling her all of the other issues that were going on. And she just kind of like, you know, grabbed both of my shoulders and said, we're going to figure this out. Mm. Um, and that was a really huge moment for me. Um, and my end- my endocrinologist had actually said the same thing. Um, and and ended up, they both ended up running, unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize, I just thought my endocrinologist was running a lot of extra tests. She actually did an autoimmune panel on me also, because <laughs> she's that great of an endocrinologist. She kind of picked up on all those things, and I didn't even realize. I just thought she was checking some extra thyroid stuff. Um, and as it turns out, that they both ended up doing an autoimmune panel, and, you know, we got the same results um, that 
you know, indicated uh, that led me, um, everyone to the conclusion that it was Sjogren's, um, which explained a lot of the other things that were going on. But that's one really important part of having Hashimoto's or Graves, being that they are autoimmune. Um, it certainly means that you could end up with another autoimmune disorder, and it doesn't mean that you necessarily will, but it certainly means that you can. And it's, it's just like with the thyroid disorders, it's important to pay attention to your symptoms and to make sure that you have one doctor. We have, you know, now we're kind of in the age of specialists where you have your endocrinologist, you have your gynecologist, you have, you know, all of these different specialists. It's really important, you know, if at all possible, to have one primary care doctor who is still collecting all of the information from all of these specialists and able to look at the big picture. And that was really crucial for me, um, for her to be able to look at, and, and including my acupuncturist, the things that she had noticed. And so to be able to sit down with my primary care doctor and go through all of that was um it was it was really important, and you know I am not sure again why it took me so long to be honest with myself and with my physician about all of the things that were really going on. <laughs> Can you tell us some specific symptoms that you were experiencing like well, um in addition to the um in addition to the kidney stones and the gallstones, um, I was starting to notice a lot of dry eye issues, and which you know, Sjogren's is a lot of the dry, dry eyes, dry mouth, um, and um, I was having uh, recurrent headaches. I was having recurrent sinus infections, like literally one after another after another. Um, and so, you know, when when I once we pieced it all together, we realized that that was a lot of it. And I was having a lot of um, joint aches and things. At one point, I was told that it might be fibromyalgia, but it didn't really look like fibromyalgia. And, um, you know, once we got to, to, to um, once the blood work came back um, showing Sjogren's, it kind of, you know, you start, the pieces sort of start falling together. Wow. Dry eyes. Hmm, I have that. <laughs> wow. That's I've got my personal adrenals. You know, doc here, my adrenals. I've got my personal doc over here, you know, Tiffany, you know, uh, you know, kind of poking me a little bit on, on our chat here while you're talking about all these things because a lot of the things you just said, um, I have. <laughs> so, hmm, things that make you go, Hmm, right, right, so right, if you think that you match up with some of those things and push your doctor to do an autoimmune panel, they need to be checking your, um, they need to, you know, an autoimmune panel is not, again, these are not invasive tests. This is blood work we're talking about. It can show a lot. Okay. Well, done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow, I'm having my own little weird flower field moment here. It's not necessarily they're not they're not as pretty flowers as they normally are. They're kind of hazy. Your flower field is being fertilized. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I just need to sit with that for a minute. Why don't you talk, Tiff? I'm gonna just sit with that and and think you it know, over. Blythe, Thank I you could for keep sharing. you on the phone for 
10 hours asking you questions. I mean, you are just such an amazing wealth of knowledge and your journey and just everything. So I have so many things I want to ask, but one thing I want to ask you is, did you educate your friends and family? How did you um, present? Are there any challenges with the kids? Or how did you educate your friends and family? Um, that's a great question. Um, initially, uh, well, you know, I start. it's, it's kind of hard to really explain how it all evolved, but initially I didn't talk about it at all. Um, you know, I had mentioned that I talked to a couple of friends when I was first diagnosed and then when my husband became very ill with Graves' disease, um, you know, social media wasn't really popular back then and there wasn't really an outlet for it. And, um, you know, what Mac was going through was pure hell. Graves' disease is really, really, really rotten and it's really tough. And we really just didn't, we really didn't talk about it. And then, a lot outside of our family, um, and some of our friends knew what was going on, but I don't think most people didn't. Um, it just was not something we're we're not really complainers, and we just kind of wanted to accept it and move on. And then when William was born, my oldest, um, in the beginning, it was really difficult for me to talk about. Um, I felt very alone. I felt very alienated. I tried to talk to some of my friends and they were they were great, but they had no idea what it was like. Um to have I'm not sure I have to interrupt you. I'm I'm not sure that really very many people could relate with all no, the things and, and that you went no. through life truly. Right. I mean your story is amazing. Well, and I think that that's one thing that those of us who are who are parents of children with congenital hypothyroidism, I think that we often end up feeling alone because at least I'm hoping to change that and make sure that everybody knows you're not alone. You can come talk to us about it. But um, in the beginning, like I said, social media was not was not very popular. There wasn't really a way. I didn't know anyone else who had a child with a thyroid disorder. And my friends were all wonderful and very supportive, but I found that there was not really any way for me to identify with nobody knew what that was like when you go, right. you you know, you have a new, I wanted to get pregnant for so long, and then I finally had this newborn baby, and life was supposed to be great, and I'm sitting at home with my, you know, one week old, and I get a call from this guy who's our new pediatrician that I didn't really know that well, and he's like, you know, hey, um, we just got some blood work back, and it looks like your child has congenital hypothyroidism. And I mean, I just remember thinking, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, and, you know, really went through a lot, the whole gamut of emotions and feeling really frustrated, um, feeling really guilty because I just thought that it was because I had a thyroid disorder. I thought that maybe it was something I had done wrong during my pregnancy. There was a period of time when I was pregnant with with him that my thyroid levels were off. They had made it, my doctor, my OB had made a mistake, or someone in the office had made a mistake when they read the labs. And it wasn't picked up until the next time I went in. So I was pregnant for you know, a whole month or so with levels that were off. So I thought maybe that was it. Um, you know, at the time we didn't know all of, 
the puzzle that, you know, we know now. Um, it was a really dark period of time for me. Um, and so I really didn't do a lot of talking about it. When I tried to talk about it, it was, I think, hard for people to even sympathize with me. Um, you know, when you when you sit in the office and the pediatric endocrinologist tells you you need to get you know, give your kid this medicine, and you go pick it up at the pharmacy, and it's a pill, and you have a newborn <laughs> who, at this point, right. has only been <laughs> breastfed, and you're looking at this pill, and you're thinking, and I'm supposed to do what with this? And nobody really was able to put it, put it in his nose? <laughs> just crush it and give it to him. And I'm like, how do I crush it? And he wouldn't take the syringe. He was really picky. He only wanted a nipple. And so Aww. my husband and I invented this little contraption, and he wouldn't take the medicine. If we mixed it with a little bit of water, he would spit it out. So I had to mix it with a little bit of breast milk, and then we had to stick it in the syringe and then stick the syringe into a nipple from a bottle so that he would think it was – he was such a picky little dude, thinking back on it. <laughs> now my, my second child, he was fine with whatever, Um but in the beginning, to answer your question, I didn't do a lot of talking about it. I felt like, I felt bad if I said, you know, because I also had friends whose children had some pretty significant health issues. I felt guilty if I complained, you know, looking at children mm-hmm. who had much more severe endocrine disorders or children who had cancer. And I felt like what we were going through paled in comparison to what some of these other parents were going through. So. I had this just crazy mix of emotions plus hormones from having just had a kid, um, but just really felt like for a long time that I didn't know if I could even talk about it. Over time, obviously, I had another kid (laughs) born with the same disorder. And even then, I remember one time um, some people said to me, well, you know, at least you already know what to do. So it's not really that big of a deal. Granted, I did already know what to do when he arrived, but he didn't know what to do. He was the one who had to deal with the blood draws. You know, he still has to live the rest of his life with a thyroid disorder. Um, So whether I had become comfortable with it or not didn't really, to me, matter. Yes, I felt more comfortable with managing the repeated blood draws, which are really stressful for new moms. But, you know, this was still his life and his journey. And so it was a little off-putting to me, quite frankly, when people would say, well, you're already an expert. You know what you're doing. But I'm like, but he's not the expert. He still has to deal with this. And he has to deal with this for the rest of his life. And we had a much more difficult time with him as an infant. Um, He was very, very sensitive to dose changes. He spent a really long time – he spent a significant amount of time – either hyper or hypo, Um, for the first year of his life, I don't know if he was ever even in the normal range. He went from one extreme to the next. We would lower the dose and it would shoot up. You know what I mean? It was just, it was a, it was a back and forth nightmare. He ended up, um, we thought he was, we thought he had craniosynostosis, which can happen if you're hyper for too long, um, uh, which is where the skull, um, the soft spot closes too early. Um, and his Mm. skull started protruding forward. So we spent a lot of time at the pediatric neurologist, and eventually it was fine. But, you know, what I wanted to say to those people who were like, you're already an expert, was was, no, (laughs) I'm not. Like, this is a whole other set of issues. Um, 
but, you know, over time I started volunteering with the Magic Foundation, um, which is an organization that raises awareness of growth disorders in children, including thyroid disorders, um, growth hormone deficiencies and things like that. And um, my oldest was actually tested for, went through some growth hormone deficiency testing two different times. Um, uh, He's totally fine now. Um, He just decided to stop growing all of a sudden and um, put us through a little scare. Um, But I remember one of the moms, who is affiliated with the Magic Foundation, talked me through what to expect with the growth hormone deficiency testing. And I said, you know, I just don't know anything. I've learned a little bit about congenital hypothyroidism, but this is a new area. And if I could ever do for another mom what you just did for me, that would make me feel a lot better because I want other moms to not feel as awful as I felt that first year of William's life. And, of course, famous last words, um, I start, eventually that led to me being a volunteer mom with the Magic Foundation and fielding calls from parents and grandparents and concerned aunts and uncles and um, uh, for the Magic Foundation for children um, with thyroid disorders. So anytime a parent reaches out to the Magic Foundation and says, I want to talk to another parent who's been through this, they, they get me. Um And it was through that that I really began to start opening up, and I realized how rewarding it was to be able to connect with other parents who were going through what I was going through and to be able to share our experiences and hopefully keep them from going through some of the, you know, the mess that we went through. Um, But it was also really helpful for me, and so it was that was how it evolved into me deciding to – go ahead and be officially open and public with our story and start the blog. But it was a really hard decision because it's hard to be open about your private health issues, especially when it's your children. Um, And so um, I still now try to be very careful about the way that I say things. Um, But it's, it's a big decision. It's one thing when you're talking about your own journey. It's a whole nother ball game when you're opening up about your whole family's struggles with their health and um so it was a really big step for me i actually owned the domain name for thyroid mom for a long time (laughs) before i decided to come forward oh wow well we are so glad that you did (laughs) because i I would imagine many other women and families that are so glad that you did i was just gonna say i imagine there's hundreds and if not thousands of women that are in your position that we're so grateful that you did come forward for support and information you know i mean all of the potential you know like you were talking about with the hyper for too long and the potential complications you know that come in and the tips and tricks and everything else with you know managing a family with hypothyroid problems i imagine there's people that are just amazingly amazingly grateful Laura would well, like you. to know, do you have any other uh, any other great uh, forums or resources that you recommend besides yourself, of course, you know, I mean, it, amazing, but that you recommend for parents of children with hypothyroidism? Yeah. Congenital I, I think, or otherwise. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of great um, stuff out there. <laughs> Um, but a lot of it has to do with thyroid disorders in general, which is which is really good because it's helpful to understand what all of the symptoms are. 
Um, but I think that, you know, Kids Health has a good uh, thyroid section. NIH has a really good um, explanation of congenital hypothyroidism. The Magic Foundation um, is, a, is a really fantastic organization. They send out newsletters. Um, and so I think that uh, CHOP, actually, um, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, a lot of children's hospitals have a lot of uh, great helpful sections on um, on thyroid disorders, uh, pediatric thyroid disorders. And I think that it's really important to, if, if, if your child has just been diagnosed, to not necessarily go just Google hypothyroidism because a lot of the symptoms are, are the same, but a lot of it's not the same. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, the symptoms that you notice in an infant, obviously, um, or in a toddler are different than what you are going to be experiencing as an adult. Um, and so I think that um, it can be a little overwhelming and a little scary, I think, sometimes if you just are, are um, performing a broad, you know, sweeping search like that. I think it's really helpful to look at um, at sites like the NIH site and the Magic Foundation and Kids Health. Do they it have, is overwhelming. Um, it is. It is overwhelming, and that's why we're, we're glad to have you because we can point people in your direction. And I know that there are so many people that are that are like we said glad you're there. In fact, um, one of our team members just just noted that she sends many people your way because it's a big question, and there are that you know the parents have, and there's there's a big need for information, you know, needed for for kids right. well, that, have, that don't have thyroidism and moms and dads, you know. Sure. Another thing that I have on my website is I have, you know, little, you know, five tips for various things. And one of the things that I talk people through is, like, a first appointment with your pediatric endocrinologist, um, how to survive blood draws, how to combat scrub phobia. Kids who go to the doctor a lot and who get blood draws a lot get afraid of going to the doctor. Um, it's very common for kids with chronic health issues to become afraid of the doctor at some point. Um, it is a phase, and they do grow out of it. I can attest to that. My five- and nine-year-old are no longer afraid of the doctor. Um, but we went through some pretty awful phases of scrub phobia. It is, um, it is a real thing, and it is a really stressful thing for mom and dad. Um, so I have a lot of things like that on my website that I try to talk people through, kind of these, those initial things. Um, Blood draws are um, a pretty rotten thing that you have to go through. Infants are tested very frequently. Um, the older your child gets, the more uh, space you get in between blood draws, <laughs> which is really nice. And they also get to the point where they're not um, screaming the minute you pull in the parking lot of the hospital for their blood draws, <laughs> um, which you go through, you know, it's kind of, it's funny because when they're infants you think this is so awful they don't know what's going on and then you get to the age of two <laughs> and you think man I really wish they didn't know what was going on still um, <laughs> two and three was a really difficult age for both of my kids um, with with the blood draws um, they are now uh, totally chill with it. Um, you know, the the phlebotomists are always amazed. You know, they said, we have adults who come in here and pass out when they have to get blood taken, and your kids just hop up in the, hop up in the chair, and they're fine. Um, but, you know, one of my tips um, with the blood draws is the lidocaine cream. It's also called EMLA. Um, it's a numbing cream that you can put on. Um, 
that that is that was a lifesaver for us. And I actually learned about that, not from our doctor, not from the phlebotomist, but from one of the Magic Foundation newsletters where a mom had said that they had really traumatic blood draws until they started using Emla. And I thought, oh, hallelujah, finally, <laughs> something to try. And it worked great because um, then, then they're not so terrified of the experience. So on my website, I have a lot of different things like that, you know, talking you through the first appointment, um, and things like that. And I also have a few articles um, from Blythe. She's uh, guest posted uh, several times for Thyroid Nation and, and you know, great articles for, for people that are out there to read and also helps you, points you to her site, and, and she has more great, wonderful information on her site as well. So um, so that's good. Okay, well, so anything that we're missing, Tiffany? I mean, there's got to be something that we're, that's, you know, we not covered because she said so many things. I just know I feel like we're missing something. We 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 could just we could spend all day on the phone here with. with well, Blythe. I know, no but question. what's something? Right, right. Okay, well, a couple. Got to be something I'm missing. A couple quick things. Um, have you ever heard of Theranos, the the single drop blood draw that they're going to be putting in Walgreens? I think they're currently in Arizona, maybe. That would be I something have, that would be. So amazing for kids. I wait for that. I, I know. know. I actually emailed them. As soon as I saw that article in, like, the Wall Street Journal, I emailed them right away and said, now, is this just for diagnosing or can this be used for dose titration also? Um, I think because they can, do have, they have some they great say? technology available for initial screening, right, for, right. you know, just kicking up. But for dose titration, um in the past, they've needed a little bit more blood, right, a little bit more analysis. But they wrote me back immediately and said, no, we can do everything from this spot. So I cannot Oh, my God, I have chills. <laughs> no, that's I one of my, like, if you look, I know. And I wrote, um, I wrote a blog post, actually, for um, thyroid change, and that is one of my dream wish list items. <laughs> <laughs> is that, you know, that that becomes mainstream and becomes, except, you know, um, something that all of us have access to. The use of blood spots for drug, for drug titration, not just for screening. Um, and access to this for all children to have, you know, so that we can reduce the pain that kids experience with these multiple blood draws. Um, that's one of my dream come true things. That is so amazing, exciting, because, I, I mean, when I was, you know, being chronically ill from childhood, that was something they used to have to clear out the whole wing of the hospital because I would scream and scream. <laughs> they had to tie me down, you know, flat. They had to tie me down, which I understand when we had Joanna's blood drawn recently, that they don't do that anymore. They're not allowed to do that, at least in California. That's what she said. They can't tie. But, they um, don't tie, but they do hold. Um, and that's been another sort of issue, um, you know, I prefer, actually, to hold my own kids down. I know a lot of parents can't handle it, but I would prefer when, because they do, when they're, they can, I mean, my kids could throw some tantrums in that, in that uh, lab, um, but I do, I, I would, I prefer to hold my own kids. Um, we need the Ronalds to hurry up. <laughs> big, scary <laughs> dude to come in and hold my kids down. I'd be like, you can be here for backup, but if he's going to cry and scream, the face he's going to look into is mine. Um, because right. at the end of the day, he knows that I'm, you know, I'm his mama. Right. So, 
Um, but yeah, that's definitely, I've definitely heard about it. I'm so excited about it and I can't wait till it makes its way across the nation. <laughs> so Laura has a great relative question. Um, kids being afraid of the doctor. Um, is there any, any page followers that are talking about depression in their children who, who are chronically ill? I know I suffered really bad from, uh, night terrors throughout childhood. Any, anybody talking about depression in kids? Um, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, you know, I think that it can definitely be, uh, a symptom of hypothyroidism. Um, I think that though, if if your child has a thyroid disorder and you're noticing depression as a symptom, get back to the pediatric endocrinologist, (laughs) Um, because it, it means that something's off and something's not right. Because depression, being moody, being tearful, those are often the first signs that I notice with my boys when their thyroid levels are off. When they're infants, you can notice things like they sleep a little bit more or um, they become constipated. When they're old, once when they got older, um, those were some of the first signs to me that their thyroid levels were off. So I think that, um, like I said, if you have a child with a thyroid disorder and you're noticing depression, you're noticing anxiety, moodiness, tearfulness, and that's not normal for your, you know, if they're not a normal, tearful kind of child, get to the endocrinologist because I I would just almost bet money on it that it was the thyroid levels. Okay, well, along with that, I have to say um, that, not can't say names, but uh, someone posted on an article that I shared, and just yesterday, okay, before, and we chatted back and forth about it. Her son at 13 had tried to get, commit suicide twice, mm-hmm. and they they checked. You know, she asked. She has you know thyroid problems. She asked, so you know they they drew the blood and they called and said everything looks normal. You know, you're it, it's not that. And she went down to their office and got the lab and had to educate them on a few things. And now he's on thyroid medication and doing great and has been for 10 years. And she did that 10 years ago, which is amazing to me because, you know, there wasn't as much information. But she actually went down there and got the results. So that's another point, right? I mean, yes, it's very common. Yes, we need to test. We need to spread the message. We also need to tell you to get your lab, get your have a copy of your labs. Always ask for your labs. That is oh, for gosh. everybody. Important. I could go on for days about that. I remember I got a call one time from um, a nurse at the doctor's office, and she said, and she was, I guess, new to my situation, but the nurse from the pediatrician's office called and said, um, left me a voicemail and said, um, I was told to give you a call, and uh, your kid's thyroid levels are normal. Thank you. <laughs> and I called back and I said, that doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. But the protocol is I need the numbers. I want to know what was tested. I want to know what the range is that the lab used. And I want to know what their levels were. And I mentioned this in probably a lot of my articles because I'm a little bit of a nut about it. But keep track of it. Whether you can you have access to my chart or you know whatever you know online system. My, our doctors don't use it yet. Um well, I've got one that does, but it's coming. But 
whatever way, I use an Excel spreadsheet. I used to just use a spiral notebook, but I've, I've you know, graduated to keeping it in an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I agree with you, Dan. I agree with you 100%. Get those labs. Keep track of it. Because the other thing is, not just so that you can monitor and you can see for yourself that the levels are normal, but normal is a really wide range, it's, wide you know, even range. for children. And so, you know, I know at what level both of my kids do better. You know, one does better on the higher end of normal. He sleeps better. One does better, you know, a little bit further down on that, that level. Um, he, he, he does better closer to the hyper levels. And so, but my other one, if he's too hyper, he doesn't sleep. And so you you start to be able to, one of the great things about keeping track of this yourself is that you can start to notice trends and then you can have that conversation. Like, I know he's normal, but the kid's not sleeping. So could we maybe increase his dose just a little bit and see if he stays in normal, but he actually sleeps through the night? <laughs> um, and those are real conversations that I have had. I have had another mom reach out to me with a similar story she was told that her son was bipolar and had put mm. him on medication. Um, and she said somehow she saw somebody comment on my website. Um, I guess she could, because it's a public website, the Facebook pages. And she was curious and kind of just landed on my page and um, reached out to me and said, you know, here's all the stuff that's going on. Do you think I should have his thyroid levels tested? And I said, why the heck not? <laughs> I mean, yes, if you think that there's something going on and you don't think he's bipolar, well, sure enough, his thyroid levels were, I mean, like way, way off. And so, you know, luckily this is a success story. And um, it was another similar issue with an attempted suicide. And um, the kid is now doing fantastic and is on thyroid medication and has weaned off of all the other medications. So this is, you know, that's what I said when somebody asked me about resources for depression. I mean, obviously, you know, you have access to a pediatrician, a child psychologist. If you think that there's other things going on, you know, always go back to your doctor. We're all just moms talking about what we've seen and experienced. You should always go talk to your doctor. Um, and you should ask for, you know, a consult with a child psychologist. But, you know, if you suspect that there's something, some other health issue going on, then push. Push until you get the answers that you think that um, make sense. I know at one point I was told, um, you know, that it was not likely that my son had an immune deficiency by three different doctors. And they're all fabulous. Um, but just said it's just not that likely that that's what's going on. I think he just has, you know, bad luck and he just keeps getting sick. Well, I pushed um, because that's just what I've learned how to do um, is advocate for my kids. And, of course, uh, once the immunologist um, finally did the test, it came back that he was immune deficient. So I think whatever area it is, um, you know, I believe very strongly that uh, we were given our children, <laughs> our specific children, for a reason. Um, and I do believe that we are their best advocates. I say it a lot, but I think in the beginning, and the reason why I talk about it a lot is in the beginning, I felt really uncomfortable being super assertive with regard to medical issues with my kids. I sort of felt like, you know, 
um, it's it's what they're saying is true and it's going to work out. But at the end of the day, you know, you you know your kid best, um, and true. you you should not ever be concerned. About, and you can ad, you can advocate without being aggressive, right? I mean, there's ways to push for the right medical care, health care for your kids um, without being mean or aggressive. There's there's certainly I always say demand way. politely. Right. Demand politely. politely. And speaking of kids, I have to mention, um, you know, your son's life. I put a link on my site, but he is doing some amazing things. You've got to check out fooddrivekids.org because he is raising money and and collecting food for for needy kids, for backpack, what's it called, backpack buddies? So we have a local program here called the Interface Food Shuttle, and they do a lot of fantastic programs, um, and one of which is called Backpack Buddies, where they send backpacks full of food home with kids from food insecure homes so that they have um, access to food on the weekends. It's a really fabulous program. William learned about it in kindergarten, um, became an activist for them in first grade, um, and just did another um, really phenomenal food drive. Um, that's why when I say my kids are thriving, um, I mean it. They're really doing well. Um, and we and are so, so glad to have you. And I'm so so sorry to cut you off, but we only have almost 30 seconds left left life on the show. So I just want to thank you. Check out thyroidmom.com. Check out thefooddrivekid.org. And we thank you, thank you for joining us today, Black. It was fabulous. We Thank need to you, have ladies. Back. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, Thank you. have a great day. All right, bye-bye. Bye. I just hate that. I just hate that, but sometimes you got to do it. So where Me are too. we? Should, you know, you just can't help it. We have seconds. a great guest next, next week. We have, a, we have a great guest next week, Dr. Murray Buzz Susser. Um, he was a former Air Force fighter pilot, and he's passionate about blending traditional and alternative medicine to find the perfect balance. So, ThyroidNation.com. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringatica from Costa Rica. And Tiffany, see you next week. <laughs> call mm-hmm. me. Okay, bye. You want to call me or you want to stay on? I don't know if it cuts us off or not. I'm going to call you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. bye.